0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Now don't tell me who you sat next to on a plane anymore. <laughs> and we're done with that. My top three. that was, what's your top no, three? No, I don't have any. Oh. You know, that's it. We've had that. Have I I sat next to you. I sat next to Wilbon.
1: They did cover a lot of that Wi-Fi stuff in uh, biology for non-majors. I'm not sure if you. No, parenting. there
0: was no Wi-Fi then. No, it wasn't. I am t- too old to understand these things. That's why I'm asking for help. Right. I ask for help on things I don't understand. You know what? I really don't ask for help on sports writing. <laughs> I understand that. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Alrighty then. We are uh, happy today. We have guests. We're reaching out. We're going to Paris for Liz Clark. And we got Steve Sands on. So we're not going to talk. We're not going to bring in our basketball guests. So we'll talk amongst ourselves about the basketball. Let me do a couple of things first, though, to acknowledge other stuff. Brian O'Neill in Landenburg, Pennsylvania. Bonnie brought over mail the other day that came to PTI in the last X amount of months. I get this lovely card, and it just says, Tony, I want to write... To express my appreciation for you, I consider you a national treasure. My wife and I DVR PTI and watch it almost every day. Thank you for what you do. Brian, I don't know who he is. That's so sweet. That's a very lovely name. You know, that's nice. Now, he will never hear about this because he's not a podcast person, but that's very nice. Also got this lovely, Michael, explain to the people what this thing might be.
2: It looks like a, honestly, like a calf warmer or yeah. like a, it, like a part. from It's from Teresa knit. Krant. Teresa Krant.
0: Oh, it's she, like a glove? Like a... It's for a penguin. It's oh. for a penguin. She knitted a PTI <laughs> it's a penguin sweater. scarf sweater for a penguin. It's got arm holes. It's I'll, just I'll... so unbelievably nice. That's
2: brilliant. I could just see it doing the
0: dance. I've Yeah, I've got to go get a penguin at some point. Back to the front. It's just lovely. Teresa Krant. Thank you so very much. She will never hear this either because she's a PTI person. Our congratulations go to our friend Chuck Culpepper. He has been named the Eastcom Media Award winner. He's being honored in two weeks in Ellicott City in Maryland for his work. Isn't that nice? It's the Eastern Athletic Communications Association Monaghan and Wallace Media Award. Good for him. Yeah, that's Really great. nice. Yeah, Anytime well you name Chuck Culpepper the award winner of anything, you have named the right person. So congratulations to Chuck. This comes... Uh, from an email from Sam Atkinson. So I'm happy for that. I hope
2: there are no storms
0: that day. Well, storms <laughs> last night were brutal. Fierce. They were brutal. I thought we'd get knocked off the air. Yeah. They, they were in and around 5 oh, yeah. o'clock. That's right. That's they when they're t- rolling through, yeah. Uh, Tony Tallarigo writes, I work with the Pittsburgh Pirates A affiliate, the Altoona Curve. We play the Nationals A affiliate, the Harrisburg Senators. And if you wanted to come... To the great, great town of Altoona, Pennsylvania, I'd be more than happy to get you some tickets behind home plate free of charge. The next time we play Harrisburg at home will be June 28th through July 3rd. While we don't have any coffee-flavored ice cream, we do accept <laughs> cash at our concession stands. <laughs> unlock that stupid post office that only accepts crypto and those monkey NFTs as payment. If there's anything of interest, let me know. That's very, very nice. Yeah, you don't Use need the-, the ballpark app. I. I that would be nice. How far is Altoona? Is that like three hours, four hours from Washington? There has to be better baseball than watching the Nats play the Cincinnati The Nats Reds. stink. Every reliever they bring in is greeted by a home run. They finally score a run. Yeah, they've scored one run in 29 innings, a solo home run that barely got over the wall but got over the wall by Josh Bell in the seventh, and then they went back to their old ways. They finally brought up Luis Garcia. It's just, that's good. S- Give it a
1: shot. Says from, from right now about two hours and 46 minutes. No, that's not well, bad. Well, that's got morning traffic. So that's probably a little so it's probably, yeah, about 128 miles,
0: says. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, let me do the basketball quickly. If you like the Boston Celtics and you were able to stay up late, you're very happy today. Does it mean the series is over? No, it doesn't mean that. And the reason it doesn't mean that is because the other guys have uh, three championships in hand, and they know what they're doing. They are the least likely team to be crazed by this in the entire NBA. Least likely. Should they be concerned? Yes. Should they be worried? No. Game one is the least important game as series develops. It's the least important game. Now, If they lose both at home, that's different. The Celtics did it in a strange way for them. They did it on offense. They hit their first seven threes of the fourth quarter. They're down 12 going into the fourth quarter on the road to a team that has not lost at home. And they put 40 on them. And they win the fourth quarter 40-16, to and they win by 12. It's a 24-point swing. That's You don't expect that. They made 21 of 42 threes. It's pretty good. You don't you don't think of the Celtics for offense, you think of them for defense. That fourth quarter they had both, offense and defense. That surprises me. Doesn't surprise me they won, surprises me the way that they won. You're a big Celtics fan. You must have enjoyed that, Nigel.
1: It was a roller coaster night because the first quarter, when Steph Curry goes off, you know, for 21 points, you're like, yeah. "Well, this is how it's going to be." Then they, flip. yeah, that's what I thought. They actually have the lead. I did watch the first half. Yeah, and and by the way, thanks. I love the game starting so
0: late on the East Coast. It's tough. Nine o'clock start. Yeah, actually, it's a nine ten start.
1: Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, and, and when they're down 15, that's when I was flipping around and saying, well, what else is on? looking just, for a movie? Yeah, The Mummy Returns with Brendan Fraser was was the choice. And then you flip over and you're like, wait a minute, it's gotten close again. Yeah. And uh, it was just unbelievable. unbelievable. And, and I would say they- The Warriors all, are not supposed to lose that game in those circumstances. No. Up 12 going into the fourth. And one. they did it when Jason Tatum had a miserable, I mean, really a tough time. And didn't do anything really in the fourth quarter, but he was it, dishing the ball off a lot. If so. you
0: are a Celtics fan, you are quiet, Lead, because you can't be loud about this. Right. You're quietly saying to yourself, oh, we're going to beat them. We're going to win this series. Well, um, it's a long series and the are really I understand. Yeah, but yeah, but, you yeah, feel good, but feel good today. I'll tell you what. If you win game two, now, that's an entirely different story. Yes. Uh, the thing about the Warriors is can never count them out because they are capable of 40-point quarters all the time. Yes. All the time. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I mean, I will have to today on PTI. Jay Adande is going to be on today. Wilbon is taking the day off. Jay Adande will be on. Love Jay Adande. He was yeah, an intern for us at the Post trying. a long, long time ago. Yeah, Love he's Jay. great. That'll be a good show. The only thing a Dicey is that Northwestern connection for Jay. <laughs> you know, there's another <laughs> Northwestern guy. From John Campbell in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Well, before I get to this, let me tell you what I did yesterday. Two things happened. I called AT&T because I'd reached the point where my phone stunk. You know, it, not my phone. The service. The service in my home had gone from riches to rags. It's just terrible. In the places where you like to make phone calls from. Yeah, because I need to sit at a desk and yeah. work, right? So it wasn't working for me. I called AT and Got somebody right away. Is my first question all the time: What country are you in? And the answer is the Philippines. So my in. My impression is when I start talking about my neighborhood, I'm not going to get a lot of help from somebody (laughs) in the Philippines. We talked for a while. She was very nice. She said, I'm going to transfer you over to the tech people because we want to fix this problem. So they transfer me to the tech people still in the Philippines, and I go over the whole thing again and again and again and again, and I explain I'm just getting no service in my house, and I do say at some point, do you you have the ability to transfer me to someone maybe in Washington, D.C., who would be able to help and know that they don't have that. They don't have that. But at some point they say, and I was on the phone for over an hour and I was not, I just felt I was digging the same hole. I mean, I just didn't feel that we were moving and they finally said to me, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you. And I said, okay, great. And they did. They got back to me. About eight hours later in the early evening. Did you get this? Have you tried restarting your phone? They didn't do anything like that. I did that <laughs> once or twice. Check
2: for updates. Yeah, and I... This sounds like and a And they phone said, issue. they
0: asked, they got Carol on the phone. They said, how's the phone? And she said, it's better, thanks.
2: They said, great, glad we could help. But the person who helped the most was you, Michael. Why don't you take over the story? Well, well thank you. I guess I am that tech person who resides in the District of Columbia. Yeah. Uh, so first up, I'd like to thank the two boys two under five who gave me the patience to deal with you. Uh, you're sort of in that same category <laughs> of the yeah, preschool crowd. Uh, <laughs> first step, I logged into your AT&T account and I tried to do a cellular sort of reset to try and reset the signal. But what's, what's frustrating from that side, I'm not even talking to a person, but I can see and they're saying, there are no outages in your area. There are no issues. And I'm pinpointing your exact house. Yeah. Uh, so I then on a lark tried something with you where I walked you through, go to your home screen, Go to where you put your ear. Swipe down. Yeah, did do all that. See the see the bars for Wi-Fi. Turn that off so it's not blue. You're like, yep, with you, with you, because I wanted to try and see uh, if we could if we could identify how many bars you had. We only had one, one bar. But finally, I got you into settings, and we discovered that you maybe you never turned it on, maybe it was turned off, but your Wi-Fi Assist was not on for your cellular calls. So we right. turned and that. And I on. would never have known that because I don't know what a Wi Fi assist is. Right. But now basically if you have that dropped call to Kelleher at you know eleven fifteen always. in the morning. And Julia uh, always your, your Wi Fi should be able to support it. I keep
0: telling the people in the Philippines, but I, I get dropped with Kelleher and I'm dropped with Julia. We'll the- and we'll they do the- don't, you we'll know they the- just we'll say, the- we're, we're, say we're so prep. Prep. sorry. Oh, Matt Kelleher, yes they don't <laughs> have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> which is okay. But but Michael you walked me through it, I did it and then and then it worked with both Matt and Julia. Yeah. I was amazed. And I got a lot of mail, and let me read one example of this from John Campbell in Crawfordsville, Indiana. It finally happened. I couldn't help you with phantom water bills or wine or toasters. I haven't sat next to anyone famous on an airplane. The number of outslet- outlets in my kitchen is fairly average, and the list of famous people from my hometown of Crawfordsville, Indiana is pretty boring. Then finally this morning, I hear you talking about your AT&T <laughs> cell phone coverage, and I thought I know this problem. Now, I can't get a new cell phone tower installed near your house to improve your signal probably don't want that anyway even though we do a much better job of disguising them now when we used to. The problem is not 4G versus 5G either. Your iPhone from 2021 is 5G capable but still works with our 4G network as well. The best solution from your problem is to make sure that Wi-Fi calling is enabled on your iPhone. This allows your phone to use your Wi-Fi connection inside your house To make and receive calls over your internet. Your Wi-Fi signal should be much stronger than your cellular signal inside the house. Now, if your Wi-Fi stinks, that is something that you need to bother some rum-dum at Comcast about. (laughs) Or you might need to replace and upgrade your Wi-Fi router, depending on if you rent it from Comcast or if you own it. I've been a listener since the radio days, and I was thrilled for the chance to help. So I hope that my advice provides you some relief. Thanks for all the hours of entertainment over the years. la cheeserie. And... John Campbell is the associate director of outage management, AT and T consumer. So that's that's a that's contact a, to hold on to. That's a great yes, one. we yeah. Well, that's <laughs>
2: absolutely great. And your advice, Can you hear was, me now. <laughs> your advice was his advice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Best is I'm at home and I get the basically word for word to that email from was, uh, Ross Weber from Keen who's going, you know, maybe he has to upgrade his, uh, his you know, his, his cable modem that you rent, but it's the Wi-Fi is history. Now, you don't have other devices. If you're not careful with your settings, if you have, say, like a computer or an iPad, you're getting pinging all across the floor as you're getting, you know, calls transferred from one device to another if you don't turn that off. I don't have any understanding of any of this. You have a car phone. But like, like, I yeah, my but
0: I knew something was wrong in my house Because when I use the phone in my car, I never had any problems. And that leads me to conclude, though reluctantly, that it's not the phone, that it's the house. And, Michael, you came to that same conclusion. I'm sure we got a lot of emails that say the same thing. Got a lot of them. So, yes, the Littles responded in great fashion, too. Well, that's that's all I asked for. Yes. And I'm sure they're laughing (laughs) at what a dope this guy is, but, you know, I don't know. I mean... I don't know. Yeah, because um, I make the call. That's
1: all. Yeah, I'm sure they're we wondering think, who still makes calls. Yeah, we think like we be like, well, maybe it's the humidity. Maybe that's
0: what's causing it. Yeah, yeah. just don't know. I don't really have a good sense <laughs> of how it works. Yeah, I don't. So uh, let me express my gratitude to everyone who, in a time of need, was able to respond and and help. There's a a lot of people, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Again, there's things I... You, you don't need to help me analyze the Celtics beating <laughs> the Warriors. I know that. I've done that for a long time. But you need to help with, with the phone. All right. We have Liz Clark from Paris when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
2: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
3: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. On a lonely
0: night. This is Mitch Bradford. He has just released his new single, More Than Life, which we're playing now. And permission to use it is granted below. First song you played on the show five years ago, Got You On My Mind, was recorded in his apartment. This latest track was produced last summer at the Revered Village Studios in Los Angeles. They Add Mitch's name to the long list of famous acts who have recorded there, like Fleetwood Mac, The Rolling Stones, B.B. King, Bob Dylan Coldplay, etc. I believe you call that trending up. This is sent to us from Matt Matari Matt and Mitch Bradford gives permission from more than life. We'll have two songs by him today. This is a wonderful song. And it plays in Liz Clark all the way from six hours east of us uh, in Paris, France at the moment. Um, you're sitting, waiting for Nadal to play. Am I correct? Nadal plays a semifinal match in an hour or so?
4: Exactly. That's exactly the picture.
0: And, and who does Nadal play today?
4: He plays the third-ranked player in the world, Alexander Zverev, right. who is taller, younger, very hard-hitting, among other things.
0: And I'm sure that's going to be a great match. And I'm sure no matter how great it is, it's not going to measure up to the Nadal-Djokovic quarterfinal. In all, <laughs> the, in yeah. all the years that you have covered tennis, I would think that that match, Nadal-Djokovic, is a top-ten match that you have ever seen. Am I right?
4: You mean the one just now the other day or any matchup between them? No, that's the other day. No, it completely was. It completely was. I mean, I love clay court tennis. I think it, you know, it demands the most out of players. And, you know, at this point in their careers, at this point in their their lives, at their ages, um, all that's riding on it, um, it, you know, it's just stunning. I mean, there's never going to be another chris evert martina 80 match rivalry in tennis right right. but in the men's game i I just this is the best this is the best i think in history rivalry
0: Uh, i mean i watched the last few games of the fourth set and then the tiebreaker and like everybody in the crowd in paris i was rooting for nadal um and i i felt it was thrilling and what i said the next day was it doesn't matter if Nadal loses his next match. doesn't matter. I don't even think he's going to win the French Open because I think the last two matches he played have been so grueling. And he's 36 yeah. today, and that's old for tennis. But I don't even think he cares. I think the big one for him yeah. was beating Djokovic. Or, or do you think I'm wrong?
4: No, no, no. I mean, it, I, I don't think there's any you know animus toward Djokovic, but mm-hmm. totally agree that he is not a stats guy. I mean, he demands so much from himself – But he has said many a time, he believes many a time, that his achievements, don't. you can't boil them down to, he does not boil them down to number of grand slams. He is not in a foot race with Federer and Djokovic for 21, 22. He says, we three share. We have done this together. We have done something together that tennis has not done before. Um, He... For him, he wants to give all to the extent his body will allow. And truly, at this age, with his chronic foot condition, that is his opponent right now. And and I think there will be tears today because, it, you know, this may be his last French Open.
0: That's that's what I think. I saw—I can't yeah. pronounce Vreyev's name correctly. Yes. He's, he's about 6'6". He's huge, yeah. right? I mean, he's huge. huge he's lean. Huge. He's, you know— I yeah. Do you agree with me, or do you think no, no? Rafael Nadal can win this last French Open. I know, I, mean, I know he can. I just don't think he will. How about you?
4: No, I mean, I did. I predicted. And, you know, after the after the five sets, uh, f- was that a fourth round victory over Felix auger Yes, yes, you yes, know, after round. that was that was a five setter. I thought no way he's getting past Djokovic. In me fact. Too. It's going to be Joker in straight sets. That's what I thought. Yes, me too. So that floored me. It floored me. Um, So, no, I I think Zverev is too tall of an order. Um, and, And it's immaterial who he faces in the final. I mean, technically, he should beat whoever. But I just think his body is near the end. His foot is near the end. He's traveling here with his personal doctor, who he hasn't talked about at length. But he said, my doctor is here. And it's because of him I'm able to play. So, again, this, this chronic foot ailment, it's a degenerative ailment. It causes him pain, constant pain. And, um, you know, but he loves competing so much. He loves his tournament. He loves the people. And he loves pushing himself. So it's, there's so much emotion, a career's worth of emotion invested in this match today. And kind of win or lose. If he feels he did his best, he will be okay. Okay.
0: He talks openly about this could be the last time I'm here in Paris. He's the yes. greatest clay court champion of the French Open of all time by a mile and a half. But the numbers, and he may not want to deal with the numbers, but the numbers are important. Federer has 20. He's not going to get any more. Or maybe he would win no. with them, but he's 40. He's not going to get any more. No. Um, Nadal has 21, Djokovic has 20. And that's why the Australian Open was such a big deal.
4: Yes. Such yes. a
0: big deal that Djokovic, yes. for his obfuscation of the facts of his vaccination, he was deported. Or he might have won that. That opened the door for Nadal. So Nadal is one up. In your opinion, will Djokovic, because he's younger, not by much, but a little younger... Will Djokovic pass Federer and then pass Nadal in your mind, or do you think he's, there's not enough time left?
4: I think Djokovic will pass Nadal. So one more, you know, one ties. he ties Nadal. Mm-hmm. And, you no, know, he's 11 months younger, but the style of tennis he plays, the efficiency with which he plays, his body hasn't had nearly the pounding. He's a workout fanatic, lean, uh, you know, freak. And, and, and that's not disparaging. I mean, it, it's, it, he, he is meticulous about taking care of his body. So I think there are more years of tennis, elite tennis, left in him than in Nadal. Um, so, yeah, I've, and, and he's incredibly driven by metrics and stats and trophies and the most this, the most that, as most athletes are. Um, so, no, I fully expect him to surpass Nadal on the 21. You know, do you before think that, he retires.
0: Do you think that means he's better than Nadal?
4: We talk about this every time, yet I never tire of it. <laughs> because I love this topic. So, Tim. To, you know, I'm not going to quibble with some guy who points to numbers and says, case close, he has more. But that is not my worldview. Like, who has the most money? Who has the biggest house? Who has the most trophies? I just don't view success in that way. So to me, Nadal is and will be the greatest tennis champion ever because of the heart and the fight and the... The grit, you know, the way he competes uh, at, at, with sportsmanship, I, I, I just, he has not put a foot wrong. And I I just, you know, the, the Australian Open final this past, where he got to 21, that was one of the damnedest things I have ever seen in sports. And every word I had was not adequate for that five-set comeback. Um, so, you know, yeah, people will say by numbers joker's going to have the most he's the best i I can't if that's the plane on which we're discussing it i i have no response but i know what's in my heart
0: yeah um as an ocd person myself and i am i watched nadal very closely over the last i don't know 30 minutes 40 minutes i watched that match he's wildly ocd wildly Wildly. Does he ever talk about that? Has it gotten worse? I mean, he had, there are certain things he has to do or he cannot serve the ball.
4: Yes. Um, you know, not in any deep seated, I'm going to open the window to my psychology way, but, and, and I, I'm not seeing it change. It's just been a defining thing. Like yeah. the placement of his water bottles, they have to be a certain way at the changeover. He has to smooth out the towel a certain way. He, The way he steps um, around the lines a certain way. And then the the twitches of yanking on his shorts, his head around, you know, the whole, we know them all. Um, that's just that's who he is. I've watched him practice probably way more than the average person. His practices are ritualistic too. This is this is a very meticulous, leave nothing to chance. This is how I do my job. You know, the 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 big challenge he had to this, the most significant challenge of his career was when they instituted the shot clock for serve. Like you have to get your serve off yeah. TikTok this amount of time. And, you know, I'm not sure he always abides by that. I'm not sure it's always enforced, but you're just not going to hurry up this guy. Now, that said, Joker, with the endless bouncing of the ball before serves, that's either OCD or gamesmanship. You know, that's an open question, but he he has that eccentricity, you know, too.
0: I just appreciate it in Nadal. I mean, the certain he touches his hair yeah. in a certain way, he touches his ear, and, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's it's a pattern, and it's gotten him oh, to yeah. this point. So the last thing, if you're like me, you 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 just add things on. You never reduce. You never you just add things on in order to get ready. The Let button. me shift over to the women, Sviantek, and I've learned how to pronounce that against Goff. In the finals, uh, you know, every once in a while, America, as Paul Simon would say, throws a hero up the pop chart. There's always some young girl who wins something and then doesn't doesn't become Chris Everett and doesn't become Martina Navratilova or Steffi Groff, you know, or, or, or anybody like that or Serena Williams. Uh, maybe this year it's it's Coco Goff. What do you expect in that match? Because the other woman, Sviantek, she's the best in the world. She's the best <laughs> in the world.
4: Yes, I love this question. I love the setup, the, the context. Ooh, let's keep talking. But um, no, I am expecting and rooting for a three set final. Um, Sviantek has dropped one set. Um, it was somewhat aberrant the whole tournament, um, but she's just been crushing, crushing her opponents. You know, and she's a really nice person. You know, <laughs> not that though that's incongruent but she has such a varied game. She has like the variety of Federer. She worships Nadal. So she hits a forehand, you know, in her best Nadal manner. She loves clay. She's aggressive. She takes the ball early and, and she has this aura and she's only 21. She's very young, super smart. She's an avid reader. She's such an interesting person. She plays the ukulele. She loves ACDC. I mean, she's just a great character. Um, so I expect she'll win. That would be her 35th consecutive win. And yep. I believe that sets a century, uh, this century mark. It beat Serena. Um, meaning 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I cannot say enough about Coco Gauff. I mean, it, it, you know, I cannot believe I'm wrong in saying she is not going to go down as the next Jennifer Capriati. Or whatever the cautionary tale is mm-hmm. for teen who flashed greatness and then had a, an, it, you know, sad, got derailed. Um, either physically, you know, emotionally, uh, psychologically, whatever. Um, I think Coco is one of the most fierce athletes I've ever covered in terms of her sophistication, her smarts her, her awareness of her role and responsibility as, as a person, as a black woman, as, a, a new voter, as, as, um, then maybe an athlete. I mean, she, she will speak out on issues so intelligently. She plays so intelligently. She has patience, she has calm, and she has a big game, um, you know, and she, I don't want to say humble in the sense like she's meek, but she she always talks about her parents, the lessons she got from them, the role of her education, um, the difference she wants to make in sports. Um, I mean, she is so grounded. She's so smart, and she only gets better. And just like not an hour ago, she and Jessica Pagula just won their doubles match. So Coco could get two Grand Slam championships here um, at the French Open. She's going to be in the finals of the women's and the finals of the women's doubles. It's
0: lovely. I'm glad. I'm glad. That makes me happy because of course the cautionary tale is Jennifer Capriati. And by the way, uh, it may also be Naomi Osaka for different reasons, but the sort of ultimately inability to get on the court because other things are hounding you. And it would be nice if, if that didn't happen with them and didn't happen with anybody else. What a joy to talk with you. Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, let's, Tony. Bye-bye. Let's, let's Clark, boys and girls. It's Magnifique, as it's, they would say. It's a joy. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Steve Sands. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
2: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.
0: Once again We have Mitch Bradford This is a song called Got You On My Mind me,
1: Recorded in his apartment We played this like first time like five years ago I, I have this song I downloaded it I listen to it all the time It's fantastic
0: I say it all the time The level of talent Of the people who submit music Is beyond comprehension It, it, it just is Michael if people like Mitch Bradford want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your
2: music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornheiserShow.com. And is our Johnny O code applicable? Uh, yes, TK Bootsy, that's S-I-E, TK Bootsy 5. Uh, they have a lot of great matching, uh, matching gear for Father's Day that's coming up. Wonderful. Steve
0: Sands joins us. He sent me a picture yesterday of what appeared to be a bag of candy. And all I could read was Champagne bears. Can you explain this to me, where you got it and what they are?
3: <laughs> yes. So I'm in the booth this week for Golf Channel. Right. And as as golf viewers know, whenever you're in the booth, you always have the CEO or somebody who represents the company who is sponsoring that week's PGA Tour event in the booth with you for a couple of minutes. So yesterday, the CEO of Workday comes in, and he's going to be on the air. And he comes in. We have our headset on. We're on the air live. He comes in. And he shakes my hand, says hello, and he hands me this big box. And it says Workday on top of it. So I'm wondering what the gift is. I opened the gift up. It's two big boxes inside the one large box of gummy bears. And they're all different flavored gummy bears. And one of them was a champagne gummy bear. And I thought, "Jeez, Faldo loves – I'm in the booth with Faldo. So he loves champagne. I like champagne. We both love gummy bears, so we started eating them. And I figured I'd take a picture of it because of all the friends I know, nobody I love, loves gummy bears. I love Tony Korniser.
0: I love gummy bears. I'm so no, jealous. The
3: mixture, the mixture of gummy bears and champagne, made the show, the last hour of the show, a lot better. <laughs>
0: But it, it Workday, they make gummy bears? I thought they were a consulting no, no. company or something.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It was just they're the sponsor this week, and that was one of the gifts they gave to their wow. uh, Pro-Am participants on Wednesday that they could uh, have some gummy bears uh, laced with champagne. Good for you.
0: All right. We'll get away mm-hmm. from gummy bears and we'll get into the Saudi golf tour. Um, Dustin Johnson is in. Phil is not in yet. He could be in. There is an opening. Right. If Phil Mickelson called anybody in the world and said, I'd like to play in your tournament, they'd send a jet for him no matter where it was or what he wanted. Your reaction to DJ in and Phil so far out?
3: Well, the Phil being out, I figured, was going to be the case. He's, he's kind of dipping his toe in the water before he comes back in. Um It'll be interesting to see in the next four or five days whether he is one of those last six guys in. They only put 42 guys out, so 42 names uh, in the field, and there is a field of 48. So there are six spots open. Five of them are for uh, players from the Asian Tour, and then there's that one wild card spot. They're trying their hardest to get Phil to take that spot. Uh, as for Dustin Johnson, man, I, I didn't think that Dustin was going to be on that list. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, uh, as things have kind of ebbed and flowed uh, with that Live Golf Tour and that Live Golf Series, they've had to, you know, pony up some more money to get bigger names. Dustin Johnson um, clearly thought it was a great economic decision, business decision for him, uh, and he's going to tee it up next week. As far as as far as it looks right now.
0: So let's stay with him for a little while. He was immediately dropped by RBS, the bank, immediately dropped um, for going and doing business with the Saudis. But the report is that he's getting eight figures. It's just a tremendous amount of money. Um, I don't think he cares at all about RBS dropping him. Some other people will get on board. Do you see this as a complete monetary decision? Because he doesn't strike me as political at all or as really a deep thinker. I'm just assuming this is money.
3: As the great man once said, the answer to all your questions <laughs> is money. Right. Uh, Dustin Johnson. So, oh, first of all, it's RBC. not Okay, RBC. RBC I'm sorry. Royal Bank of Canada. The Royal Bank of Canada. Of Canada. Right, yeah. Bank of Canada. Um, RBC is the sponsor next week, Tony, of the PGA Tour event, the RBC Canadian Open is next week. Dustin Johnson is their biggest client or sponsor as far as golf is concerned. Dustin Johnson is the one who basically carries the mantle for them. And it it was a big slap in the face to them in their eyes that he was not only going to go do something that – They told him not to do. They told him that beforehand. They said, we do not want you doing this. And, in fact, when he played the Saudi Invitational, which was uh, played a couple of months ago when Harold Varner won, a lot of players played in it, Uh, they asked him to not have the RBC patch on his arm when he played, and, and he did that. So when he decided to put his name in the hat for the Live Golf Series event next week, the one that goes head to head against RBC's biggest PGA Tour event, the RBC Canadian Open. Yeah, yeah, that was the end of that relationship. So Dustin knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, he's going to take the eight figures, and obviously that's way more money than RBC is paying him to wear uh, his patch on to wear their patch on his shirt. But RBC did not like that decision, and they ended that relationship quickly.
0: So I've been following this for a few months, not as not with the sort of vision that you've been following it, but Dustin Johnson's name was always on the list. It was always the notion that he'd be the highest-ranked American who the Saudi tour had a chance of getting. Right. Uh, but he publicly committed in February to the PGA Tour. Those words are out there. Everyone knows those words. What, why did he do that?
3: I don't know. Sounds like he could be a politician. <laughs> As opposed to a <laughs> professional <laughs> golfer. Yeah. Um, so... From what I understand, um, from talking to a lot of the guys uh, in the last few months, at Riviera, which is in Los Angeles, the last week of the West Coast swing, so we're talking sometime in, in, in mid to late February, Augusta National was, was coming up about seven, eight weeks away. There was a lot of live golf tour talk in golf, and Augusta National uh, wasn't necessarily pleased with that. Uh, the PGA Tour wasn't pleased with that, and basically the PGA Tour, and, you know, who knows if Augusta National had any influence in this? Uh, my guess is yes, but I, I don't know that for sure. But the PGA Tour basically was like, listen, you've got to make a choice here. You've got to tell us where you stand. So all the guys who came out against Live Golf pretty much held firm, and, and, and their stance has, has held all the way till now, which we're in June. Dustin Johnson was one of those guys who came out. Now, since then, Tony, a lot of things have happened with Live Golf. Players have come and go. Uh, we know about the Mickelson situation. They need uh, Live Golf. They need the biggest names they can get. And if the money truly isn't a factor to the people who are backing this league, backing this series, and they keep saying they have unlimited resources, well, that money kept rising and kept rising, and I guess it got to the point where Dustin Johnson had to just say, Okay, I'm taking the money. It's too much money. Let's say it was, you know, seventy five million dollars three months ago. Well, if they up it into the eight figure range, so north of hundred million dollars, at some point everybody's got their price and clearly that price was met by Dustin in the last few weeks.
0: Do you think that the PGA tour will be specifically harsher to Dustin Johnson than anyone else because of the embarrassment factor?
3: It's a great question. I don't think so. I think they're going to make it all equal. I don't think it matters to them, uh, the PGA Tour, that Dustin Johnson is the biggest name in this field. He's a lifetime PGA Tour member with 20-plus wins. When you get to 20-plus wins on the PGA Tour, you're a lifetime member. I don't think his status and stature being any different than, say, Hudson Swafford and Taylor Gooch, who are also on that list, and Kevin Na and countless other PGA Tour players are on that list. I don't think they're going to uh, give a harsher punishment to Dustin than they do to somebody else. What I think is going to happen is I don't think these guys are going to get fined, and I don't think they're going to be suspended, Tony. I think the PGA Tour is going to wait until Thursday because any of these players could change their mind. So you can't make a decision before they put the peg on the ground before they tee it up, right? Uh, for the first time uh, next week. So once these guys put the peg in the ground, once these guys play the event next week, I think all of them will be banned for life. And for life,
0: for I life. Like,
3: I, think, I think so. And then I, because I think that's the stance the PGA Tour feels that it needs to take. And then the lawsuits will happen. Yes. And then that's right. if there are injunctions and those types of things, the guys will play through it. But if the PGA Tour is going to draw a line in the sand and put their foot down, Tony, then to me that means once these guys play next week, once that happens, that they're going to be banned, not for a year, not for 5 years, maybe it'll be something like a 10-year ban which would, you know, remove them from any chance of them ever playing again, as opposed to banned for life, but it will be a a large ban, a significant ban. It will not be one of these fines or suspensions, in my opinion. I don't know that for a fact, but that seems like uh, the route the PGA Tour is taking.
0: And if you had to guess, do you think Phil will tee it up in London?
3: Oof. I I still don't think he's going to. Uh, I just don't think he's ready to take the heat. And I think he might be curious to see what this thing looks like next week. Will it be a legitimate competition? Will it be a clown show? Who knows? Um, I, I think Phil is a little reticent right now to take the public heat uh, that he's going to take uh, once he plays in one of these things, if he ever plays in one of these things. what if he comes back on the PGA Tour, same thing. He didn't play the PGA Championship, Tony. Right. Remember, we talked about this. He didn't play the PGA Championship because he didn't even—he just didn't want to take, you know, the heat from the media and the public uh, that he's going to take eventually when he does come out, if he ever does. Um, but it, it's only a one-time thing for Phil. Once he plays, once he speaks, once he gets it out there, and then competes, to me, it feels like it kind of goes away a little bit. But for him, he's not ready to take that heat yet, and I don't think he's going to play next week. Um, I think if he would have uh, put his name in that field list, it would have been already. But I don't know that for a fact.
0: Now I right, get you out of here on this. Where will this be in five years, in your opinion? Will there be? <laughs> will it be a coexisting tour? What do you think?
3: Uh, I don't think it'll ever be a coexisting tour. Um, I, I can't imagine that. I, I don't think the PGA Tour is going anywhere. Uh, the PGA Tour is is a is a big time big ton league. Uh, tour in this case. And I just don't see it going away. Uh, it has too much history, too many great things, too much money. Um, I don't know if the Live Golf uh, series is going to work long term. Uh, they say it's a long-term investment. I don't know how long that'll be if they don't get the results they're looking for. Uh, they need some visibility. Uh, they don't quite have that yet as far as a television partner. Um, But they are getting good names. They are getting big names. And they do have huge, huge money backing this Live Golf Series. So let's wait and see how these eight events go this year and then make an assessment moving forward. I'll say it's not around in five years if you're going to make me give an answer right now. But, you know, you just don't know how it's going to play out here this summer. Let's see what they look like. And then the next time we do one of these phone calls – Uh, On your show, and we'll have a little bit more of a feeling as to what the guys think those events are like because I can't wait to talk to the guys, hear from the guys after the event next week to see what they thought, you know, and what they and how it went, and you know, the whole logistics and all those kinds of things.
0: Thank you, Steve. Thank you. This is it's the biggest story in golf, unless there's a major out there right now. It's a big story. Steve Sands, boys and girls, we appreciate that. Alright, enjoy the booth, been enjoy been the far champagne far. bears. Uh, we'll be back with yeah, you know, we'll be back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
5: Oh, yes, I'm the great Zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> Entertaining the youth of the sea.
0: Joe Arrow is so good. <laughs> Just brilliant, brilliant performance great by Joe choice. Arrow. <laughs> and <laughs> really? John yes. Moransky in Rohnert, California wrote it. It's just great. It's the platters, it's the great
2: pretenders. And I hope the great zucchini hears this. Yes, still waiting on that call. <laughs>
0: You want to do the Bethesda bagel, lad? Bethesda, we got
2: the sandwiches today. I
0: know, we got to get back on the Monday sandwich. Yeah, they flipped trail. it for us. We yeah, got to we... go back on the, I yeah. love
2: them. We got to go back on the Monday sandwich. First, First, you want the sandwiches. Now you don't want the sandwiches today. <laughs> no, I want them. I want
0: them. You want them on Monday, though?
2: I want them on. But I, <laughs> I want them. I
0: want them. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Bethesda Bagels we love them you will as well go to BethesdaBagels.com forward a location in the DC
0: area near you. then pop on in
1: and you'll be thrilled
0: that'll do it for us today before we get to the mailbag let me just say no particular place to go so we parked way out on the Kokomo the night was young and the moon was gold we both decided to take a stroll can you imagine the way I felt I couldn't unfasten her safety belt that's Chuck Berry from 70 years ago it's, it's cool. just so great yes. it's Chuck Berry thanks to our guest today Liz Clark all the way from Paris Steve Sands Great guests. Thanks to our sponsors, X Chair, Solo Stove. Remember you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Gonna read some things here. From Sam Angel in Silver Spring, Maryland. Allow me to write in memory of my cousin, so it seems Roger Angel, who in baseball circles is the definition of A1 above the fold, even after a pretty good run of 101 years. I'm not quite certain of the relation, and we never met or talked, but Cousin Roger, as we affectionately called him, did correspond with my dad and fellow emailer George a time or two. It always gave me a little thrill to have someone ask if we were related. Even when I first heard about him, I was more excited to be able to claim his stepfather, E.B. White, the author of one of my early favorites, Charlotte's Web. He was perhaps the last link to baseball's early days, but he reveled just as much in the successes of Griffey, Pujols, and Otani as he did in Ruth, DiMaggio, and Mays. It was affirmation for a fan like me who came along with the DH already firmly established in the American League. As they say, attention must be paid. From Alexis Pereira in Queens, I'm proud to announce my engagement to Erin Fenton, the granddaughter of Akron University Hall of Fame basketball player Red Fenton. I include a picture of us after just after she unwisely accepted my proposal <laughs> at the Eiffel Tower. The only thing I don't like about Paris is you can't get a simple cup of coffee. In a cafe, even though cafe literally means coffee. I'm gonna open up in a shop called Bagels that only sells scones. See how they like it. And here's the pictures. Oh congrats. In, just so nice. From Eric Marks in Solon, Ohio, or Solon, I don't know. I sat next to Mr. Tony and Junior at Burns Steakhouse in Tampa. Cannot remember if it was for a Final Four or a Super Bowl. I admit I eavesdropped on the conversation for a second. Tony and John were complaining about who had the worst seat at the game (laughs) that night. I went back to my dinner. That's exactly what we would have said. (laughs) That's exactly what we would have said. Seems plausible. It was more likely, because of the seating, it would be more likely that would have happened At uh, a Final Four, though I don't recall being in Tampa for Final Fours, and I know I've been there for Super Bowls. Yeah. So I don't know. From Dennis Brown, rather than sitting on a plane near someone famous, I stood in a car rental line at St. Louis Lambert International Airport in the mid-1980s behind St. Louis native Lawrence Peter Yogi Berra. It's my practice to leave famous people alone, so unlike others in line, I did not ask for an autograph or a handshake. I also wisely didn't ask for a handshake while standing at a urinal next to Walter Cronkite <laughs> in Arizona State University's Cronkite School of Journalism, and I resisted the urge after finishing my business to say, and that's the way it is, which was Cronkite's sign-off. Yes. Brilliant. It's brilliant from Dennis Brown. From Kevin Nelson in Raleigh, North Carolina. Giselle, that's it. That's the email. It's <laughs> a pretty good one. Giselle Bunchen, sitting next to her on a plane. Here's one from Kenny Ray, our friend from Fort Walton Beach in Florida. And I'm going to read it. It's long. Sometime back in the mid-2000s, while I was still flying for United Airlines, I was commuting to work through the Atlanta airport, trying to get to Chicago for my next trip. I was able to catch a ride on the last flight of the night on Delta. And since the flight wasn't full, the captain was gracious enough to let me sit in first class seat 2B. Tony, I'm a huge baseball fan, have been in my whole life. So when I tell you that sitting almost across from me in seat 1C was an elderly African-American man who I immediately recognize as Ernie Banks, I think my heart skipped a beat. So now I'm trying to decide whether I should say something to him, but I'm hesitant to do so because I'm in my United uniform as a guest in first class on a Delta flight. I don't want to be that guy who doesn't know his place. It's late. He probably gets inundated with fans wanting a little bit of his time. He probably just wants to relax, so I sit there quietly for the duration of the flight. What was so cool was that the flight attendants all knew who he was, and they stopped by often to check on him to see if he needed anything. When we landed at O'Hare, I watched Mr. Banks get off the plane, and as was my habit, when I jumped seated to work. I stayed in my seat until all of the paying passengers deplaned, poked my head into the cockpit to thank the captain for the ride to work and walked down the jetway. Disappointed that I couldn't bring myself to say hello to the great Ernie Banks. So I walk through the gate area and I turn the corner to leave the secure area. And there, sitting on a bench all by himself, is Mr. Banks. It's 1030 at night. There's hardly anybody in this part of the terminal. He's not exactly a young man anymore. And I'm thinking that maybe something is wrong. So I walk over and I say, Mr. Banks, is everything okay? Do you need any help with anything? And he smiles. And says, no, someone is coming to pick him up And they'll be there shortly And then I can't help myself I say, would you mind? And before I can complete the sentence He is opening a satchel And pulling out an already autographed 8x10 Clearly not his first rodeo, as they say <laughs> How cool is that? I have seen that in my life On airplanes With Ray Leonard Really? He carried pictures That's... They were signed He gave them to people I'd never heard of that in any other way I'm glad to know it about Ernie Banks from John Conroy Esquire, attorney-in-law, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Imagine my surprise when Carmine Calzanetti's name was mentioned on a recent show. Carmine was raised in Audubon, New Jersey, attended Gloucester Catholic High School prior to attending St. John's. I knew many of his younger siblings who attended the same grammar school, St. Rose of Lima in a neighboring town, or maybe Lima. I seem to recall that he went to St. John's as a baseball player and may have walked on to the basketball team. <laughs> Well, he started for three years (laughs) from Kyle in London. I'm headed to the Glastonbury Music Festival in England at the end of June with my wife and 11-month-old daughter. Since you have a stockpile of excellent musicians on the show and since we use the mailbag to communicate amongst ourselves, I was wondering, are any of the artists going to play the festival so I can show some love with a hearty lachiserie? I'll hang up and listen, and I don't know that. We, it, find we, that we don't know, but yeah, if, if you're a musician uh l- listens to the show and you're playing there, please email us. From Don Hammock in Biloxi, Mississippi. Some d- decades ago, I was flying out of Washington, and I grabbed a copy of the Post on my way through the terminal. I sat down on the plane. I started reading. I hopped to the sports and read that day's column by Satchmo, putting the paper down. Who do you think I saw sitting across the aisle from me? Well, it wasn't Tony, because, you know, airplanes. <laughs> wasn't Tony. <laughs> From Scotty Baker, who says he's the unofficial Egyptian archaeologist of the Tony Kornheiser show in Berrien Springs, Michigan, on the subject of famous people in airports. I was once in the Tampa airport in the summer of 2008, waiting for a ride after collecting my baggage. Almost every from, everyone from our plane had already left when one of my fellow passengers, a fairly athletic-looking kid, walked my way holding a hockey stick that he had just collected from the oversized luggage area. He was also carrying a Tampa Bay Lightning duffel bag. He was walking with someone in a suit who was obviously escorting him. I looked outside. I saw the Tampa Bay Lightning minibus waiting outside. Who was my famous fellow passenger? I don't know, because it's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> from Ken Baker in Petersburg, Illinois. In 1975, I was fresh out of college and working as a manager of a restaurant in Carbondale, Illinois. And one of our regulars was Rudolph Wanderone, better known as Minnesota Fats. He came in most evenings, and often I got to spend a few minutes with him. Once after an absence of a couple of weeks, he came in and I asked where he'd been. World pool championships, he replied. I asked him how he had done. I didn't play, he said. I just told him I'd take the winner. <laughs> That's, That's right. just so great. We'll end on that. It's so great. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone do wear white. Who makes you excited, Henry?
4: One
5: solo. One solo. One solo. <laughs> so good. On a lonely night, I can hold my own. Until the song I like. Comes on the radio. You're my great escape. You're my moonly ray. You're my need to know. You're my break Where you look like a good lover Like you know how to give and take I will swim with you Come on now, hold out your hand I'm new to the water Spent all my days on dry land Got you on my mind Got you on my mind. Let's hold each other close so nobody will be left behind. Sleepless nights, oh, they come in time. As long as I got you, baby, on and you fall My heart is cold Colder than the ocean floor I can't fight these battles Can't win against the ocean roll Got you on my mind Got you on my mind Let's hold each other close so nobody Sleepless nights Oh, they come in time As long as I got you, baby, on my mind Well, you a good lover Maybe the best Love is a wave that can kill It can't caress If you can track down You'll never be the same Walking the earth wondering When it's gonna call your name Again, got you on my mind Got you on my mind Let's hold each other close So nobody will be left We'll